Welcome to ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and today I have with me Dr. Tina Tady. She is with Tulane University. She is an assistant professor of internal medicine, Department of Endocrinology, and we're going to talk about a very exciting topic, and that is type 2 diabetes, its management, and I think what's going to be great is that we'll be able to talk about some of the approaches to treatment of some of the different products that are out there because it's getting somewhat complex for those of us in primary care. So Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Dr. McDonough. It's a pleasure being here. So I, by all means, agree that, yes, obesity is a big problem. And, you know, obesity is a risk factor for so many different things. Yes, we're all aware that it's a risk factor for prediabetes, for diabetes, but also realizing that it's a risk factor for, let's say, cholelithiasis, for sleep apnea, and, of course, arthritis as patients bear more weight. And also, you know, there's epidemiological data and studies have shown that obesity by itself, even without going into prediabetes or diabetes, is a risk factor for chronic kidney disease. So most definitely, obesity has several implications that I think we need to be aware of. And once that happens, I think it takes the importance of treating obesity, makes it many more folds important. Yeah, I've heard people say different things, but some studies have shown between 35 and 55, your average male might gain 20 pounds just by eating junk food, chips, those sorts of things, like a pound a year, that that type of thing. So if we see this happening, even someone who may not have been obese when mm-hmm. they're 35 is starting to get into that mm-hmm. metabolic syndrome, right. prediabetes. What do you suggest for that? I guess the first thing is to, I guess, to get on the stick and start exercising. Oh, right? absolutely. So I'm going to start off by saying there are many different options for treatment of diabetes. Number one is surgical. But for the purpose of this talk, let's talk about medical management of diabetes. But even before we go into medical management of diabetes, I think it's very important to realize that you still have to put in dietary and lifestyle changes, and there really is no substitute for that. Even when you have medications on board, if I give somebody pharmacotherapy for type 2 diabetes, as you take the patient off of that medication, unless someone has not put in the lifestyle changes and the dietary changes that they need to, they do stand at risk for regaining the weight. Now, that may or may not happen. Even behavioral factors need to be addressed. So all in all, the lifestyle change that a patient needs to make certainly does need to be put into place when the patients have started. Now, with medications, there are several agents that are there. There are agents that are sympathomimetic drugs like fentermine that has been around a long time. But fentermine by itself is approved for only short-term use for weight loss. Now, it It can cause side effects such as palpitations, tremors, and certainly is to be avoided in people who have high blood pressure or people who do experience these side effects. Then there are other class of drugs called serotonin 2C receptor agonists. And what serotonin does is it modulates food intake and helps you lose weight. And Lorscarson is one of the drugs in that category that is approved for long-term use. The other drug that is approved is a combination of topiramate and fentermine. So fentermine in combination with topiramate. Topiramate being an anticonvulsant has been known to cause weight loss and the combination is approved. There are many different doses, but you have to see which agent fits best for which patient. There are agents that prevent fat absorption, 
such as lipase and a bitter, the Orlistat, which has been on the market and in fact has one of the largest study, which is four years worth of data. And we now also have injectable drugs, injectable drugs such as Sexenda, which is liraglutide, which is a GLP receptor agonist. And that is now approved in the dose of three milligrams per day for management of obesity. You know, it's interesting when you look at these medications, I guess with the exception of Orlistat, which probably was the late 90s, most of these medications and treatments for obesity probably would like the last four or five years. So if if you're kind of not keeping up or you're just reading and keeping up with general medicine, you might not be aware that some of those things are there. You might just be back in the old fentramine days. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many people come in wanting to just get fentramine. And I should also make a comment about the medication bupropion and naltroxone combination that is now approved for also going for long-term management of obesity. So yes, there are several drugs and by all means. We even have patients coming in asking in just for pentamine. So, yes. I think what's interesting, too, when you look at the BMI. Yes. There's a lot of information out there. Like, you're not waiting until a BMI of 30. You're saying at 27, you might get a little more aggressive thinking of medications and things. Yes. So, management of obesity is approved, of course, for, you know, BMI of more than 30 is obesity. But if you have complications and have a BMI of even greater than 27, those are also grounds to treat somebody and make sure that they don't further progress. So yes, BMI more than 27 with complications also an indication. And yes, that swings it back into the whole idea of type 2 diabetes. I think what they're getting at here is, okay, let's begin treatment earlier on this progression rather than wait for insulin sensitivity to be reduced and the receptors go bad or whatever the reason, you go at it after it. Absolutely. You've said it in uh, exactly those terms that you don't want progression. It's a matter of if someone has complications at a lower BMI, why would somebody necessarily, we as a medical community, want them to get to a higher BMI and then have further complications? And, you know, this all, again, hones in on the idea of being proactive rather than reactive. So, and halting the progression, slowing the progression, making sure that we treat at the very get-go rather than the end of the cascade is what's behind this aggressive management. So if you start with something, I think most of us will start with, I'll stay generic, I guess, glucophage, you would stay with there and begin that as an initial treatment in most cases. I say most family docs, primary care docs would start in that direction, right? Metformin is certainly a drug that is an insulin sensitizer and can help you lose weight. A fine example is even though not approved for management of PCOS, it is quite often given to women with PCOS to address insulin sensitivity and they find it much easier to lose weight. So metformin is a drug and you know that's a very fine point to jump into the other track that is when you're using drugs for diabetes, let's say somebody has a BMI of greater than 30 or has a BMI of 28, which is greater than 27, and then, of course, they have these complications, and you would like to address even the weight component in that patient. It is very important also not just for utilization of the obesity management drugs, but even the diabetes drugs to choose drugs that cause weight loss or are weight neutral rather than cause weight gain. Right. I mean, I remember old enough that we would go to the sulfonylureas and then we were worrying about people going hypoglycemic on us and then that became a concern. But then you had the incretins, Correct. you know, GLP-1 and the, I guess the DPP-4 inhibitors. You have those yes. two, right. which kind of work on that same pathway. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, with the Incretins, at least, you have opportunities also to have weight loss as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things where, yes, they're approved for type 2 diabetes, but we love the weight loss side effect because it acts centrally. And the patients feel full and they're not eating as much, so then they have that weight loss, which is wonderful. And, you know, quite often what happens in practice is when you tell them it's an injection, they're very hesitant, but as soon as you tell them the side effect of weight loss, people are a whole lot more receptive to that medication. Right. So, yes. so they're happy about that with the weight loss option, Absolutely. too. Yes. So when you get somebody who, you know, is a diabetic patient or mm-hmm. someone who is obese and, you know, they're heading down that mm-hmm. path, from your standpoint as an endocrinologist, where do you turn? What what? I guess, tricks of the trade with your experience do you go to? So here's what I do do. I like patients to, number one, have nutritional counseling. That's very, very important. I like patients to give it all that they have to first make use of all the lifestyle changes that they can do and see if they've had a significant weight loss. Now, you know, one of the things I do is educate patients. I tell them, okay, at least a 5 to 10% weight loss will, if you have prediabetes, will prevent you from getting into diabetes, at least 5 to 10% weight loss. If I find, and I tell my patients this, that I don't necessarily want to give you just a medication at the first time when you come to the clinic, I'd like for you to make the lifestyle changes. If, however, they don't lose a significant amount of weight in about at least, let's say, 12 weeks or even up to six months, I then turn to the other agents like we were talking about. So it's just, for example, Los Carson, or you could do Quizmia, which okay. is a combination of entermine and topiramate, or Contra, which is propropion and naltraxone, or Sexenda, and then go from there. When I start these drugs for patients, we have to keep a very close eye on their weight, make sure they are losing at least a 5% weight loss at the end of at least 12 weeks or 6 months, and from their gauge, whether I should continue the medication or not. So you're getting, first of all, the weight loss, which could, if they can't do it on their own, might push them back to the point where they're no Mm -hmm. longer pre-diabetic or their hemoglobin A1C may be Mm -hmm. positively impacted. Does that mean you can pull them off that, or is this a lifelong treatment of medication? So these drugs, the newer drugs that we have that I was just talking about, are approved for long-term use. But you have to keep in mind, the data that we have on their use in studies is definitely limited, okay? Again, Orlistat is the only one that has four-year data. I personally like patients to use these drugs, get to the goal that they have to. And that's another thing to consider. There's an ideal goal we as physicians would like the patients to be at, and then is what they really do obtain. And there may be a gap in it. They may not get to the point that they really need to be at or we would like for them to be at ideally. But if there has been, like you mentioned, significant impact on their A1C, a significant decrease in their BMI, decrease in blood pressure, cholesterol, and if someone can sustain that weight on their own, I do have the discussion with patients to where I do withdraw these drugs and see how the patients do. One of the things that happens as a physician is you're just in the community walking around or going somewhere. Sometimes people will talk to you and they'll ask you questions. I had a driver of a car. Mm-hmm. I was heading to a conference and knew I was a physician. Mm-hmm. I said, I was just diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. I'm in my right. 30s. Yeah. You know, I've been losing weight. And the question was a great one. I've been put on you know, one of the horrible hypoglycemics, mm-hmm. like glucophage. And he said, do I lose enough weight? Do I get to the point where I get off it? Like, will I be on this for life? And I said, well, often people are on for life. But in many cases, if you can lose weight, you can give that a shot. If you lose enough weight 
but it may bounce back. What's your thought on those things? So here's the thing. It's one of those things where it's a matter of training our mind to think about the underlying pathophysiological process and what metformin does for that rather than just a number. If you lose a certain amount of weight, yes, you could be at a very good BMI, the right BMI for you. Yes, you could have a decrease in your A1C by all means. But a drug such as metformin, which does not cause hypoglycemia and it gives you insulin sensitization, even if you continue the drug, you're helping your body by improving insulin sensitivity. And if you're improving insulin sensitivity, that has to help the underlying process to further halt or delay any further progression that you have. So there's no clock on that medicine. Like if you have for six isn't. years of using it, you've used it up. You no, can go no, many right. years and, and have the advantages. Absolutely. As long as it keeps on helping you. And this is where you just think about the beneficial effects of it and how it's helping you in the long term as well. And if it doesn't cause any hypoglycemia, you can certainly leave it on. You can tell we could talk about this topic forever. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Just touched on some of these things. But Dr. Tina Teddy, I want to thank you for joining us on ReachMD. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. Thank you very much for joining us on ReachMD.